I brought something today to unpack, okay? But not right now. What I want to do is I want to, I want to address something about this legacy series that we're in right now. It's a four-part series, and this is part two, okay? And what I want to do is I want to, I want to point out the fact that for Christians, okay, legacy has three dimensions, Okay? For non-Christians, legacy only has two dimensions. But the three dimensions that legacy has for Christians is legacy is what we do now in the present okay, to affect what we leave behind. Okay? But that has, what we're going to talk about today, a future context, something that is before us. And that's what I'm going to spend some time on today. I'm going to be spending this time and looking at this future aspect of our legacy, what we do now in the present that we leave behind that has a future context to it. And in doing this, I'm going to do what Pastor Aaron has said, and I'm going to unpack about 14 different scriptures. There's 13, if you pull out your notes, you've got them now, there's 13 on your notes and there's one I'm going to add to it right in the front, okay? So really, when you look at this, I know what you're going, you're going, like, really? We're going to be doing all, going through all the Bible and that? These 14 scriptures are coming from uh, 1 Chronicles, from Matthew, from Luke, from Romans, from 1 and 2 Corinthians, Philippians, and Revelation. So I know when you go home this evening and someone's going to say, well, where'd you go to church tonight? You're going to say, no, I was in seminary. <laughs> I was in seminary, okay? And we're going to get this done in the next 30 or 35 minutes. We're going to look at all of these kinds of scriptures, okay? And we're going to unpack them, okay, as they re- and show us as they relate to the future dimension of our, I know it sounds funny, legacy. All right. But before I do that, I want to give you a context about this legacy because I know some people... Some people think that there's not enough time to, to put together a legacy. They just don't think that. You know why they don't think so? Because they read the New York Times, they read the Washington Post, and they think the world is falling apart. And they go, Jesus is coming tonight. I can see the end times. I see it by reading it in the newspaper, and I'm going, no, 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 that is not what Jesus taught. We should not have that kind of an attitude of an approach. Okay, Why is that? Well, because Jesus did not teach that. Jesus told us that he was not going to be coming for a long time. And guess what? He's right. It's been 2,100 years since he taught us that. 2,100 years have gone by. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're going, Denny, where, where in the Bible did Jesus tell us that? Where did he tell us it was going to be a long time? He not only told us it was a long time, he told us that we had to be ready for the long run, not the short sprint. And he told us if we would be ready for the long run, we would always be ready for when he came back. But if we were short, ready for the short sprint, we would run out of gas before he came back. And he told us this. He told us this, okay, in Matthew 25. It's Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Now, in the context Jesus was speaking here, there were a number of Pharisees that were quizzing Jesus about his return and asking him about that, as well as his apostles. And they were talking about return. And Jesus told a number of parables at that time. But this one had a real, a real um, relevance to what we're talking about right now in terms of le- legacy. 
Now, let me read this to you so you can see this point. And you're going to hear right in here Jesus saying these three things. He's going to say, I will return and my time is unknown of that return. But he's going to say, okay, if you are only ready for a short run, you may run out of gas or oil, okay, before I come back. But if you're ready for the long run, I may come back before you run out of oil. All right. Now, you look at this and in, in, in Scripture, and it says in Matthew 25, 1 through 13. I've got to put my old man glasses on here. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom, here it is, right here. Jesus laying it out. The bridegroom. And every theologian that deals with this parable knows or preaches that the bridegroom is Jesus. Okay? The bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And at midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. And then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. Now, these are not people that are trying to build a legacy, right? Okay. No, no, they replied. There may not be enough for, for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on, you know, get your own. That's what they were saying is get your own. All right. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you. I don't know you. And therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Now, the reason I'm adding this into this perspective of this legacy series that Pastor Aaron is presenting to us in these four weeks is because we probably, most likely, certainly have time to build a legacy. And in that time, we have time to do a good job so that the legacy that we build is big and it's substantial. Okay, so just keep that as a context because I don't, really don't want people thinking, I don't have time to do this. Jesus was teaching, we have the time to build a legacy. No matter which one of these centuries are in, we have the time. You know, one of the things I, I would say to you, and you'd probably say, I really disagree with that. But I believe, my personal belief is, I will die before Jesus comes. I'm in my 60s. Only a number of years are coming by. But guess what? When I die, Jesus comes. <laughs> For me... The meeting the Lord, okay, is, is maybe 20 years or less, I don't know, away. But I still have time. That's, that's really been affecting me in my life in this last few years. 
And I understand that now. All right. But now I want to get into this theological part, okay, of legacy that um, has some real dis- uh, difficult teaching aspects to it. It's this theological side. We're going to be going through 13 scriptures, but it has two basic concepts that can really be difficult to teach because they can be easily misunderstood. And some of them, I mean, you, we know they're misunderstood. The first of these concepts is the judgment seat of Christ. And the second one is rewards. The first one we know is misunderstood. The second one, rewards, it's difficult to teach because people oftentimes to think, well, this is really a works-based theology, okay? And it's not. Rewards in heaven and treasures in heaven is not works-based theology. It can become that, but it really isn't. I want to take you through this by looking at four scriptures together. I want to see two scriptures from the Apostle Paul and two scriptures that are, are actually Jesus speaking to us. The first is in 2 Corinthians from Paul. The second is from Romans from Paul. We have something from Matthew from Jesus. And then we have a fourth one in Revelation from Jesus as well. Let's look at these four scriptures. And they're right at the top of your notes in your, in your service uh, program. All right. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, For we... And that's a very important word, we. Because you look at this and you go like, who is Paul writing to? He's writing to Christians in Corinth. He's not writing to all of humanity. Okay, He's writing to Christians. For we Christians must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And that's where this problem is arising, this judgment seat. That each one, but here's something interesting, may receive, okay, what is due him for the things he's done while in the body, whether good or bad. And then Paul repeats himself in Romans, which actually comes before Corinthians. But for we all stand before God's judgment seat, so then each one will give us an account of himself. Now, this is this first concept. We think of judgment seat. Today, when we think of that, we think of a judge, okay? who renders a sentence, and there's a judgment. And so we have a negative context to this when we think of judgment seat. I mean, today, can you imagine hearing that, you know, the Superior Court of of San Diego rendered a judgment of, he's a nice guy. (laughs) Really? Have you ever heard that? No. No, you don't hear that. In fact, what you hear is is maybe there's a judgment of not guilty. There's no such thing as even a judgment of innocent. It would be nice to get a judgment of innocent, We don't hear that today, do we? Well, we hear these things in the context of judgment. But this is a very interesting translation that has happened over time. It's been translated from the Greek bima, okay, into Latin in the Vulgate, then into English, and we get judgment seat. But do you know what the Greek bima means to the Greeks at the time? Um, Are you familiar with the old Greek Olympics? And they would stand on a pedestal. They would stand on a bima and receive from the judges laurels. And even today in our own Olympics, you see bimas there. You see the gold, the silver, and the bronze. And that's gotten translated into this judgment seat, which has negative connotations. But in this scripture, okay, it has a very positive context. It is a bima. I'll show you something about that. 
And, and, and it's, it's, uh, Paul wrote, so we may receive, okay, something from the Lord. And Jesus said it too. Look what Jesus said in Matthew. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. In Revelation, Jesus says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Now, one of the things we do not want to do is we don't want to confuse Bema, this pedestal with the laurels and the rewards, with this great white judgment seat in Revelation 20. In Revelation 20, the great white judgment throne, excuse me, is where every person who ever lived from Adam and Eve all the way to the people living when Jesus comes back meet. And if your name is written in the book of life, you go on to heaven. If not in the book of life, you are cast into the lake of fire. That's the great white throne. It is not the bema that is being written about here. See, there's those two judgments. There is, my name is written in the book of life. I go on to heaven, and then I go to the bema. Now, you can put negative context on bema, but that's not what was written there. Remember, Pastor Aaron said I was going to unpack something? I want you to think of the bema like this. Let me unpack this for you. Okay. We, we, the Lord comes back. We go to the great white throne. Our name is written into the book of life and it's our turn to meet the Lord at the Bema. Okay? Not the judgment seat where we're going to review all the stuff all over again. No, no, no. Our sins are white as snow. They're as far apart as the east is from the west. And the Lord said he's going to bring his rewards. They're with him. And so he says, okay, for this, you get this reward. I'm on the Bema. This is Denny's Bema right here. And he look at this. It's coming out. And look at this, he's giving me all of these rewards. He's looking at my life for some of the things that I've been doing, and I'm getting these rewards from the Lord. In fact, one thing, he even gives me a first place ribbon on this, okay? I'm looking at this. These, Jesus said it, his rewards are with him. He's bringing them back. This is the Bema. I've made it. My name is in the book of life, and I'm now on the Bema. These are the laurels, and I'm getting these. And I'm looking at this, I'm going, oh, wonderful. This is great. And we can look at this one of two ways. And I want to give you an example of how this is looked at. One time I was at a barbecue. A lot of Christians at the barbecue. It was a church barbecue. And there was this long table. And I had about 12 people sitting on one side of this table and 12 people sitting on the other side. You know, you couldn't go around. You were just sitting there. So you had to listen to whoever was across from you. And I was, I, I, you couldn't get up and move, you know, or whatever. It, I, I was listening to this conversation and sitting across from me, was a pastor and his wife who were involved in marital counseling ministry. And I could tell that this couple was having some problems. <laughs> they were. They were having some problems. And you, and you know, you can hear it in some of the com- comments. They're okay comments, but they're just these little digs. And it just kept getting a little bit worse. And then finally, the, the, the um, pastor's wife said to him... Um, you know, you're going to have an awful lot to answer for, for God, for the things in our marriage. Ooh. And I looked at her and I said, do, 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 you, do you really believe that? She said, oh, yes. You know, there was this. 
You got that reward, and there was that one. We review him before the Lord in the Bema seat, and then there was these kinds of things, and she's just putting all of this stuff back into the bag. You know, and you put these things back, and oftentimes we look at that when we say, this is the way the Lord is going to review it, and then, okay, all of a sudden, as a result of this, okay, here's Denny, and you go, what? That's not what the Bema seat is. What's the Bema seat is this. I've got all of these rewards out. I've got all of these things, even my first place reward again. I've got that. I've got my second place and my third place. I've got these rewards that the Lord is giving me, okay? And then I'm done. And the Lord is congratulating me, and I'm going on to life and eternity. But guess what? There's a lot more left in the bag. And that's what we're talking about in legacy. In the Bema seat, there's no negative connotation of you losing your rewards at all. You're going to have rewards. But the question is, how much? And we've got to be careful here because we don't want this works-based. Okay? But the question is, how much? How much is out here that I'm going to receive? But the Lord has a lot that he wants to give us. And reward. That's the correct interpretation of the Bema. And even if when you hear people call it the Bema seat, you can correct them and say, excuse me, there's no seat involved in a Bema. I know Greek. Okay? Yeah, you can. It's a pedestal, okay, on which you will stand and receive rewards. All right. Now, the Apostle Paul... Yeah, so if there's any kind of negative connotation, okay, you can wipe that away. Because going, you know, standing before the Lord and reviewing your life is going to be positive. Okay? It will be all of the things for which Christ is going to give you a reward. And nothing will come off of the table. All right. Paul has said something very interesting about these rewards that I think we really need to pay attention to. By the way, we've covered a good number of Scripture already, right? Okay. Here we go again. 1 Corinthians. Paul writes, If any man builds on this foundation, and by the way, in this foundation, in the context of which he was speaking, he's talking about Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold silver, costly stones, wood, hay, straw. His work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will, get this, test the quality of each man's work. And if what he has built survives, he will receive... His reward. Even our good works are going to be tested. Now, you might, that might strike fear in your heart. You go, no, 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 it's, it's positive. But you go like, but I want to know if it's going to be tested. What are the tests? And this is one of the things that we have to look at. I mean, it's one thing to read the Bible, but you know, if you come to one of our 201 classes in Discover, you find out we not only read the Bible, we study the Bible. Yeah, we contemplate on it. And you have to pull some things together to find out what is in the test and weave these together. We're going to do that today, okay? I want to suggest to you that there are four tests 
There may be more, but at least four. And we can count on these, okay? And we can rely on them as we are building our legacy, our legacy that we leave behind and the one that is in our future. And it is, the first test is the test of relationship. And I pull that from the book of Revelation, okay? We do our good works, okay, because of our love relationship with Christ, okay? Our relationship with Christ. When we do good works, we do them because of that. Look what it says in Revelation. This is Jesus teaching us again, okay? I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance, and yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. So when we do something, we want to make sure that it's not to get things. It is because we love the Lord. It's because we have a relationship with him. When we you know, join to serve on the dream team or when we give of you know, our financial resources, when we're leading a small group, we do it. Why? Because we are in a relationship with God and we love him. That's the reason we do it. And that's when we pass that test. That then renders the reward one that is eternal. Another test. The test of motive. And this is just, is our motive pure? We have to be careful that we do good works for the right motive. And that we don't just give to get. Matthew 6. Again, this is Jesus speaking. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have re- no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by Men, I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. The Lord's just basically saying, if you want, you know, something, recognition from man, and you get it, you got your reward. There's no reason to repeat it and, you know, double dip when you get to heaven. If that's where you seek it, you've got it. He said, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. We do good works because our motive for doing good works is pure. We seek God's approval, not man's approval. We want to hear those words, you know them, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, I have to tell you that uh, one of the things that that motivates me um, is uh, recognition. I like to please people. I like to be told, good job. I like to seek the approval of other human beings. I do. I like it. It just energizes and motivates me. And I look at this, and I spent a lot of my life doing that. Um, in academics, uh, in the business world. Um, and I was climbing ladders as I was going on, seeking approval 
And I got it. Um, the Lord blessed me with some incredible jobs running corporations, um, working for the government, the deputy undersecretary of the Navy, acting assistant secretary of defense. I even got the highest award and the second highest award as well from the Department of Defense that a civilian can get. You know what? It's meaningless. When eternity, can you imagine me standing on the Bema seat? Or excuse me, Bema seat, I'm violating my own word. Standing on the Bema, yeah, exactly. You know, and saying, oh, well, Lord, I did this and I did that. and It's not going to mean anything. It means nothing. It's not going forward. I need to seek God's approval before him. And you can receive God's approval of you being a janitor and doing things for the right and pure reason and seeking God's approval, not man's approval. You know, it's one of the reasons I'm here. And in a way, you look at it and I go like, you know, I spent all these years, 60-something years, seeking man's approval and seeking, you know, climbing ladders and things like that. And I looked at that and I said, no, but you know what? Um, an opportunity came for me to come here. Aaron was, Aaron was asking me to come here. He's saying, Denny, you need to come over here. My kids were saying that. And I'm still in the corporate world and, you know, chasing after those kinds of things. And finally I said, all right, the opportunity is here. I'm going to give it up and I'm going to go over to Coastline. And I'm going to love on the people that are over there. I'm going to please God rather than please man. That's the test of motive. All right, another test, a third test, the test of love. Make sure that these rewards last. We find in 1 Corinthians, Paul writing this and he's saying, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, he's talking about being sacrificial, but have not love, I gain nothing. I can do all of this if I give everything that I possess to the poor and I even surrender my body to the flames, but I don't have love. I've got nothing. When we do what we have to do in this test, okay, what we have to think of always is we have to think of the person on the receiving end. We do it because we love people and want to bless them. Because we love them. There's an example of this. You, I mean, we can stand here and tell you, you know, week after week, well, you need to join the dream team and blah, 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 and you, feel, you may feel guilty. We don't do it to lay a guilt trip on you. We want you to be blessed by that. But you should not join the drill, uh, uh, dream team because you feel some sense of guilt or I must do this. You must say, some, for example, I want to go down and serve in the children's church. Why? Because I know there is probably a child down there, okay, whose mom and dad are getting divorced and they need somebody to talk to and they need somebody to pray with. And I want to be there and talk to them and pray with them because I love them. That's why you want to do that. It's through love. 
not through musts and shoulds. We do good works because we want to love people. The first one was a test of relationship because we love the Lord. The second one was motive because our motives are pure. And the third test is we love people. And that's why we do it. All right. The fourth test is the test of eternity. And in Luke, we read this, and it's Jesus again talking. Dr. Luke is reporting on Jesus. He says, I tell you, use... Now listen, this is Jesus telling us this. Use worldly wealth. Now here's where you can see where the motive might be going wrong, but Jesus says it. Use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. He's saying that. Use what you've got, okay, so that as you've given it away, okay, there, there will be people in heaven, okay, who'll be applauding you, who'll welcome you there. When you think about it, it's when we serve you now here in heaven, guess what? You're going to be, when I'm standing up on the bima, okay, you'll be able to say, yeah, that's right, Lord. Denny deserves those. He's being rewarded for what he did for the right motive because he loved Christ and because he loved us and it was eternal. But when you, you have to connect this to the eternal, okay? When we do good works and we do acts of kindness, we have to connect them to eternity. And you look at it, well, what do you mean, Denny? Okay? Well, what I mean by that, I can give you something. We, we have to connect nice Okay, and we have to connect our good and our kind to the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel. And you can do this in all kinds of ways. I, even, I, I know there are people in this room that when you do something, when you help the poor, you share the gospel with them. We add to nice and compassion, we add the Lord Jesus Christ and we pass the eternity test. It's one thing for you to like give some food to somebody who's hungry and they go to hell. You've said nothing. But what you want to do is you want to give food to somebody who's hungry. You want to give them both food and Jesus. That's what you want to do. Food and Jesus. Water and Jesus. You need to connect this eternity factor to this good work. It's good to give food just to somebody, and it's a blessing for that. But it's got to go beyond that and give them the Lord. So when we feed the hungry, we not only want them to have that food, but we want them to have the Lord too. All right. So what do we do with all of this scripture? What do we do with the fact that we now understand that the judgment seat is really bima, it's positive, and that what we receive at the bima are rewards? What do we do individually and as a group? We leverage this. We're going to leverage this to store up treasures in heaven. Matthew 6, Jesus says this. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. As we're leveraging what the Lord has given us, 
and what we have, I want you to remember these three guiding principles. One, realize that God owns everything. First Chronicles, how do we know that? How do we know that? First Chronicles, we read, Praise be to you, O Lord. God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for, and here it is, everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted at head over all. You know what this means? To us today, the car you drive belongs to God. He owns it. The house you live in belongs to the Lord. The food you eat belongs to the Lord. When you get up in the morning, the breath of fresh air that you breathe is God's. You look at that and you go, we really don't own anything. We are creations of him. The entire universe is created by him. We have to have this in our heads that God owns everything. All right. That's principle number one. And if you can, can just absorb that, then the next thing follows with it. If God owns everything, then we must manage everything we have on his behalf. If it's his, we have to manage it for him. In Matthew, we read, and if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, Jesus teaching us again, look at this, gives a cup of cold water because he is my disciple. Look at that. It's not because just because there's a need there. It's because you give that cup of water because you are my disciple. You are giving this water to this child because you are Jesus' disciple. You're managing what God owns on God's behalf. I will tell you the truth. He will certainly not lose his reward. We manage all that God owns on his behalf. And so you can ask these questions like this. It's a simple question. Look, Lord, how do you want me to use my Monday tomorrow? Or excuse me, your Monday tomorrow. How do you want me to manage your Monday? How do you want me to manage the pool in my backyard that you own? How do you want me to manage the house you gave me? How do you want me to use the money that's in my wallet? Give you a simple example. What you could do is you can take the money in your wallet tomorrow at work and you can go buy a, you know, a dozen or two dozen Krispy Kremes and take them into the office and include with it one of these Coastline Church cards that says something extra to show that God loves you. You see how you manage it for him, for his behalf when you do that? Everything that we do, you know, that is owned by God, we need to manage for his behalf. That's how we continue to build these rewards. For example, you can even leave a tip at a restaurant. When you leave a tip at a restaurant, leave a big one. 
and accompany it with a compliment, okay? And accompany it with Jesus loves you. Invite them to church. But manage what you have that God has given you, okay, on his behalf. And leverage your entire life as you manage that way. And finally, this third principle I want you to remember, and that's to focus your whole life towards the eternal. Your entire life towards the eternal. And I'll explain that. In Philippians, the Apostle Paul writes, and this, this is really tough stuff. He says, look, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny, their destiny, that's called destiny, not their legacy, but their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Okay? They, they glorify, okay, in, in this wealth that's focused on themselves. And yet it's really, in God's eyes, their shame, but they glory in that. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I honestly believe that the, the, the largest impediment and blockage for you and I, individually and collectively, leaving a legacy, okay, is the illusion, if we have the illusion that earth is our home, that Carlsbad, California is our home. It's not. Heaven is your home. Jesus told that. Okay, if we think that this, okay, is life, okay, we probably won't leave a legacy. But if we believe that heaven is our home, that's when we can individually and collectively leverage all that God owns and gives to us to leave a large, impactful legacy. Bear those in mind as we go through this legacy series. Will you bow your heads with me right now in reverence to the Lord? You know, there may be somebody in this room right now that goes, Denny, um, I don't even think I'm going to get past the great white throne judgment and get my name written in the book of life. And I want that. I want to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I want to leave a legacy. I want a legacy in the past and I want a legacy in the future. And I want it because I love the Lord. I want to get to the Bema. I need to get past the great white throne. And tonight, while all eyes are closed, okay, in just this quiet time, you want to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, will you just let raise your hand right now let me know so I can pray for you? Thank you. And just pray this prayer with me. Abba, Father, I confess I'm a sinner and I repent of my sin. 
And I accept your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. And I ask you to send your Holy Spirit to come and indwell me and guarantee that I will get to heaven. If you've said that prayer tonight and accepted the Lord, let us know by filling out one of the connection cards so that we can be praying for you. Also, if you're someone who's walked away from the Lord, you know, your, your name is written in the book of life. You're going to heaven. But right now, you're just not serving him. You're not building that, that legacy. And you want to do that? Make that commitment right now, just between you and the Lord, right now. And also let us know so that we can be praying for you because we're going to diligently be praying for you and lifting you up. We want you to be among all of us from Coastline Church. We're going to be in heaven one day just cheering each other on because of the things that we have done, because we love the Lord, because we have a relationship with him, because our motive is pure, because we love people, we love one another. And we build on that. Father God, thank you for this evening. Uh, I really do thank you, Lord, for you know helping straighten us out between this judgment seat, which is really a bema, and the rewards that we're going to get, and the great white throne, Father God. May that be not confusing to us anymore, so that we can understand that we have both a legacy in the present, the past, and in the future. And that we can leverage this, Lord, together. night. God bless. Be in peace.